No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? It's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. We have a moral obligation to act. I can I'm probably hit the green Fox from here. News. Probably. The reaction from President Biden to a new election law in Georgia, which he believes is designed to disenfranchise minority voters. Ready to go? Georgia's hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. You're listening to Cheyenne's News and Talk Station. AM 650, KGAB, Orchard Valley, Cheyenne. A town square media station. ...supporting what he believes is a federal intrusion into state responsibilities. Another polarizing issue, the flood of migrants at our southern border. This needs to stop. It is a crisis. It is a tragedy. And it is a man-made crisis. This was avoidable. This was preventable. Senator Ted Cruz toured a facility in Donna, Texas yesterday where the senator says roughly 10% of the people being held there are testing positive for the coronavirus. Democrats who visited a different facility say the White House inherited the problem. This isn't about politics uh, and it isn't about playing games. It's about the humanity uh, of these children. Congresswoman Ilhan Omar. A state trooper in Texas is clinging to life after being shot last night on a highway outside Waco. The suspect is being sought. A police officer in Virginia Beach is on administrative leave after shooting and killing someone last night. Authorities there are also investigating a second shooting that left one woman dead and eight others hurt. America's listening to Fox News. Connect to Fox News Audio on the Fox News app. Listen to hear your favorite hosts like Brian Kilmeade, Jimmy Fallon, and Guy Benson standing up for what's right live and via podcast. Just click listen, then swipe right and hear the latest news updates on your time. And scroll down to hear the latest podcasts from Fox News. And it's even easier to listen in the car with Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. Get programming alerts and notifications. Fox News Audio is on the Fox News app. The Voices America Trusts. Download it now. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Dominich, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. It's the Ben Dominich Podcast. You can subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. This new show will feature deep dive interviews with newsmakers and some of your favorite Fox News analysts. I hope you'll join me. Subscribe to the Ben Dominich Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. During the early days of the coronavirus pandemic, his daily press briefings were considered must-see TV by many. Now, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo is still holding events, but not necessarily in front of reporters. 
On the one hand, Cuomo wants to show that the scandals aren't interfering with his job, but on the other hand, he doesn't want to talk to pesky reporters. So he's been attending events, but barring journalists. Cuomo is facing allegations of sexual harassment. He's being criticized for allowing COVID patients to be transferred from hospitals to nursing homes, and he's accused of giving relatives preferential treatment in COVID testing when the pandemic began. Gary Baumgarten, Fox News. As the weather gets warmer, health officials in Arizona are changing how some coronavirus vaccines are distributed. An outdoor mega vaccination site in Phoenix will be replaced next month by a drive-through operation inside a large warehouse. Another site in Glendale, which is open 24 hours, will soon switch to just overnight operations. NASA is gearing up for another first, a test flight on Mars. You've likely heard of NASA's Mars rovers. But what about a Mars helicopter? The latest rover mission carried the Ingenuity Mars helicopter to the Red Planet, and NASA hopes to fly it as soon as April 8th. In a tribute to humans' first flight here on Earth, Ingenuity has a tiny piece of fabric on board from the plane the Wright brothers flew in 1903. This will be the first known aircraft to fly on another planet. Fox's Carmen Roberts. By the way, in case you were worried, scientists now say a giant asteroid that they've been tracking for years is not on a collision course with Earth. The space rock measures 1,100 feet. I'm Pam Puso, and this is Fox News. The weather forecast is brought to you by Bob Ruart Motors, the easiest purchase you'll ever make. All roads lead to BobRuartMotors.com. It'll be a good-looking Saturday and final weekend of March weather-wise here across Cheyenne and southeastern Wyoming. 40s for highs today, a lot of sunshine, like the breezy winds, mid to upper 20s tonight. A little windy Sunday, but also warmer. High temperatures, 50s to near 60 degrees. Could briefly pop in the 60s on Monday, then trending colder, little light snow Monday night. I'm Day Weather Meteorologist Ork Hewer. Good morning, good morning. Nick the Motor Guy back here on Cargab. Well, kind of back here because I'm actually going to take a bit of a break. I'm either sunning myself or out on a motorcycle or with a car or, you know, just taking a break from Cargab as much as I love it. I'm going to be doing some interviews today. There will be no calls in, but hopefully you enjoy hearing a few voices you may never have heard before or maybe some voices that you've heard before with new stories. Anyway, here we go. And today with me, I am proud as ever and all the way from Great Britain. And of course, many of you have heard my father, Hugh Dodson, with me over the years. Did our first Cargab show ever before the show even had a name way back in uh, November of 2007. I'm proud to have my father back on today and we can uh, have some... I don't know, some conversations. You may have heard these stories before, you may not have, but they're always fun, and one of the best parts is I get to record these, so that they're down for posterity. Anyway, good morning, dear father. How are you? I am very well, and how very nice to hear you. I'm appalled to think how long the show has been going on. I very much remember, very happily, the first one we did, do you remember we sat in the car driving down to the studio and said, what are we going to talk about? We really ought to do some planning. 
No, we didn't, and we still haven't. And of course, we did spend many hours over the last three minutes working out what we were going to talk about today, and we realized that, well, we're just going to do the same thing and have some fun with us, and that's what this is going to be about. So, you know... I want to go back. That first show, I wish it was recorded um, in some ways, although with my complete lack of ability in those days, not that it's improved greatly, um, probably a good thing it wasn't. But when what I am and what I have become in the car and motorcycle fanatic thing that is me, you do realize is entirely your fault. Oh, well, my back is broad, fortunately. I get blamed for everything. Oh, yes, you poor thing. I, I'm just sure, <laughs> I'm sure my, my mother's in the background going, yes, oh, you poor thing. You, did you hear it? I, yeah, I, it was there. <laughs> I'm sure it was. <laughs> <laughs> no, Nick, honestly, over, over the many years, whether it was sitting around the dining room table or whether it was going for miles and miles in the car, the one thing we never had a problem was is thinking about what we would talk about. Well, as um, as Shrek says about uh, Donkey, it's not getting him to talk that's the problem. <laughs> Thinking of things to talk about on motorcycles and anything with engines and steam and railways and all the rest of it, there's so much to talk about, and it's all been such fun. I've enjoyed every minute of it. Yeah, and of course, where did your, what was your first memory of something automotive? And of course, it's strange that I've ended up, well, not strange, it's probably uh, fate that I ended up doing what I've done. But of course, your father was in the automotive, the trucking industry more, but he was involved in the industry when he worked. Ah, uh, yeah, um, and it goes back even further. Um, he had a, a very hard time when he came home from India in the 1930s. Um, he'd been with um, two firms in, in uh, India, um, having been in the First World War, um, and there were no jobs here. So he, like his brothers, um, took himself off to India, and he worked for uh, an agricultural um, machinery company initially, who also imported um, Model T Fords in KD form. And KD form or CKD complete knockdown. So they basically yeah. they came a they bit came like a power sports unit today. They come in a crate and you bolt them together, right? Absolutely. And I have got some pictures somewhere. Um, I think you may even have copies of them, of the buffalo carts coming in with big boxes on the back, and about an hour later, there was a Model T Ford. Yep. And the original kit car. Yeah, and of course, the, the Model T being the first production car on a production line, although by the time it came in CKD, it wasn't really a production line, it was probably more of a large shed. It, the, the shed was unbelievable. It didn't even have a hard surface floor. It was dirt. Yeah. I, <laughs> it was absolutely wonderful. Anyway, the old boy, he did that first, and then he moved on and uh, became an agent for Dunlop. And uh, he came back to England in the mid-30s with a promise from Dunlop for an executive position, which they reneged on. Yep. So E. Boyle thing was, was out of work, and a very good friend of his, um, Dizzy Disternal, who was the next Royal Engineer 
um, a much decorated Royal Engineer officer. And one of the um, funniest people I've ever met. He was, uh, and just for people, I, I met uh, this family friend known as Dizzy. Um, and Dizzy was everything that an adult should be but shouldn't be um, to a seven-year-old child. He did all the misbehaving things which just delighted me as a kid, and I have great memories of him. <laughs> so have I. He was, a, he was another father to me. He taught me all terrible things, like sitting in the garden where they'd got a pond, and he'd get a bowl of cherries, and we would sit on the bench, and we had to spit the stones from the cherries into the pond. <laughs> And we competed over this. And here was a man who was older than my father, actually, behaving like an absolute lunacy. Well, I always remember his dear wife, Phyllis, being absolutely horrified at the things he was teaching to my sister Izzy and myself. All you heard was, Eric, stop it! (laughs) (laughs) They they lived in uh, a, a little town east of London called Loughton. And I used to go there when my sister was being taken back to school. I would have a lovely day uh, with them. And uh, as you went in the front door, the staircase went up to the second floor. And at the top, Phyllis had a little table with an arrangement of um, flowers and grasses and sort of feathers. And it was in a pot at the top. And Dizzy used to think it was tremendous fun if I stayed at the bottom (laughs) and he would get the grasses and he would hurl them down the stairs with the intention of spearing me. Yes, which of course was terribly, you know, um, uh, responsible. (laughs) Once it was done, of course, he ran out of... of Ammunition, yes. Phil, dear Phyllis, she didn't understand the fact that if she then collected them and put them back in the pot with a, oh, Eric, as she always did, then he had more ammunition. And this would go on for, for hours. <laughs> Tremendous fun. Anyway, he, he gave my father a job um, in what was called magpie engineering. And then came the war, and magpie engineering was given the contract to um, maintain um, delivery trucks uh, uh, distributing ammunition around uh, the London area. So they were, it was a reserved occupation, as they called it. So he didn't have to go back into the army, nor, nor did Dizzy. So they well, of course, they were, they were both pretty good age even then at, th- at that point. Uh, yeah, I, my father was born in um, 1898, so he was, uh, he was 40, 40-ish when the war started. Yeah. Um, and Dizzy was probably 45, 46, a little bit older. Um, and they ran this business with a man who became my godfather, Hugh Blundell Hawks. Mm-hmm. And the three of them were juvenile delinquents. <laughs> they were appalling. Uh, I wonder where we got it from. Well, that was exactly what I was going to say to your <laughs> listeners. Why is it not a surprise that you and I are as we are? <laughs> uh, they used to have um, a fleet of Humber one-ton trucks 
um, for delivering all this stuff. And of course, they, but because the, the services, particularly the army and the back act batteries, were in desperate need of ammunition constantly, the one-tonners were desperately overloaded. Yeah. Um, and they'd trundle off um, to the, the war sites with their loads um, and usually come back with either certainly broken springs and broken axles. So they were all pretty busy. Um, but the War Department wasn't satisfied that they were doing enough. So my father and Dizzy and, and Hugh Bluntle-Hawks would be hauled off the, the workshop floor um, in East London and would be taken off to do fire-watching. And that was where you stood on the top of a high building um, and looking out for where the incendiary bombs were being dropped on London. And if one of those actually ignited a fire, they had to phone and inform a central uh, authority who'd get the fire engines out there and the rescue people to try and help. Um, and he spent some pretty cold, miserable nights sitting up on what was then called the Board of Trade building up by Charing Cross Station. Um, hours and hours of staying there, phoning in, saying oh, a uh, whole number of incendiaries just been dropped over Shoreditch or wherever else, and directing the fire engines to get to it. Yeah, an incredibly important job. Well, it, it, yes, it was. I don't think they were ever really regarded as being anything other than, um, well, they're helping a bit. Well, that was, that's so typical. When you listen to history and you listen to folks who, and of course, most people are now longer, no longer with us, um, but they just counted it as part of being, uh, you know, the, the typical British stiff upper lip almost. Well, they just got on with it. Yeah. It something that had to be done. Um, and I, if this was going to help the war effort, well, they all rallied round. And I, um, after the Battle of Britain in 1941, um, we, we, uh, my mother, my sister and I had been shafted off to um, uh, west, a little town in the west of England. And quite honestly, we knew nothing about the war. Nothing ever happened over there. Yeah. So it was all a bit of a mystery when poor old father traipsed down there to see us the occasional weekend and spent virtually his entire time fast asleep. He was absolutely knackered. Yeah, it was, yeah. Uh, yeah, and of course, uh, also probably both both mentally and physically. Yeah. Yeah. Well, by, time, by 1943, there was some sort of thought, completely wrong as it happened, that the war was coming to an end. Yeah. And we were brought back to um, a village the, uh, on the east side of London, which was could not have been a worse choice, honestly. We had the wonderful North Weald Air Defence uh, RAF base just up the road from us, where the Spitfires and Hurricanes were constantly fighting off uh, the Germans coming in to bomb London. Yeah. And we were there... Um, as the V1s, the doodlebugs, and then the V2s arrived. And uh, I suppose one has to look at this. The fact it's really rather lucky that you're able to sit in America, because if I had been killed by the V2 that landed just up the road from us, 
No one was ever known. No one would be there, sir. Well, it would certainly, yes, appalling. And uh, I, I want to go back to that story here in a minute. So we're going to take a quick break. and um, We will be right back with more stories here on AM650 KGAB. We're here early before they wake up. We stay late. We stay informed. We invest in the latest technology. We take the time to train the next generation of doctors and nurses. We work together to make sure we heal their bodies and their minds. We do this not because it's our job, but because this is about our veterans' lives. This is our mission. More than 300,000 of us working as one, together with families and loved ones. No matter where they live in this country, we'll be there. We all come together and stand together to serve our veterans. We stand strong, united. Stand with us in caring for our veterans. The census is a special time when we count every single person in the country. Do kids and babies count too? Of course. Counting everyone in your home helps support your neighborhood by funding schools, hospitals, and more. So complete the census by calling, going online, or returning your form by mail. It's totally private. Visit 2020census.gov and make your family count. Brought to you by Carnegie Corporation of New York and the Ad Council. And we're back on Cargab, Nick the Motor Guy, with a recorded show, and I'm very, again, very proud to have my father Hugh Dodson on. I, we were talking in the uh, break about uh, my grandfather and his uh, his history in the automotive industry, and then a little bit of World War Two, which unfortunately. Um, well, fortunately, unfortunately, but was a big part of many people's lives who grew up, grew up in Britain, such as such as yourself, including a rather rather close escape from uh, one of the uh, V twos. Correct? Yep. Um, January nineteen forty five. Forty forty five. Nineteen forty five. Yeah, right at the end. Right at the. It was right at the end. Yeah. Um, but there were a lot of rockets coming out, sadly, um, from um, mostly from Holland. And the one that uh, nearly removed the family um, was... was, was what, a, what a way of putting it. <laughs> <laughs> well, a more elegant way of saying it. <laughs> anyway, it, it, it uh, landed up the road. Uh, demolished a little church, um, took our roof off, took all our windows out, and, uh, well, we survived it. It was just one of those things, but it was, my God, it was a hell of a bang when it went off. I, I'm sure, I'm sure. That, that That is a memory that never leaves. Uh, no, you'll remember that one. The other thing I must remember, too, also, is the fact that we had a cat at the time, <laughs> and the overpressure um, of the uh, warhead going off blew out the the windows and opened the back door and the cat who'd been asleep in the kitchen <laughs> felt itself obviously quite assaulted by this door suddenly bursting open rushed down the garden and proceeded to have the most appalling fight with next door's cat 
And all, all I can remember now is that a huge explosion and this cat fire. <laughs> <laughs> you remember. Obviously, uh, next door's cat was bl- blamed for the German rockets. Completely for the whole thing. Yeah, why the hell did you do that? <laughs> Ridiculous. Oh, gee, that's wonderful. So we we continue out of the war and into the late forties, and of course, you were at school, and my grandfather at that point went on to. He went to work for, for Guy Trucks and became the export manager. And then he went from Guy to Atkinson. Um, and these are names, a, these are nameplates that won't be familiar to many people here in the States, although they, one or other of them produced fire trucks at one stage, which may have come here. Is that right? Uh, yes, indeed. Um, Atkinson um, had some pretty big um, uh, chassis, um, and they went all over the world. Um, my father had a, bi- a, a big contract in the all places, Ethiopia, and those trucks are still in existence. Um, some went to South America. My mother's connections in Argentina made that possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Those names have all gone now. We we don't have trucks called uh, Guy and Atkinson and Foden. And They've all gone. And Dennis, uh, right? Yeah, dear old Dennis in Guildford, who <laughs> who made some of the finest fire engines and coaches you could wish to to travel in. It's uh, yeah. I it was. I really was the centre of truck building. I, I where. Uh, that didn't really happen so much in America. A lot of the trucks all around the world came out of Britain, and that was, it was, pro- I mean, this really was the, uh, without being too rude, but the last gasps of the British Empire. Uh, yes, well, I think that's probably true. Uh, we, we got ourselves, I think, as a nation into the, the frame of mind that our empire would always buy whatever we produced and would pay for it. And Slowly but surely, they realise that this may be a there's a better way of doing this. Have industry um, in their own countries. So British Ford went to, to India, as I uh, referred to earlier, and factories are opened all over the place. And then suddenly we found, hey, we're, we're not getting any money. We're not selling these things. Yeah. And my father, as an export manager, um, was desperately looking for opportunities. Uh, he was going all over the world at that stage. Wonderful DC-6s. Loved them. <laughs> Wonderful old airplane. He absolutely loved being in a DC-6. <laughs> and he, he was flying to Canada, and um, he was up in Finland regularly. Um, uh, all over the place, trying to flog, quite honestly, trucks and cars to some degree. Um, designs which had long since failed. Yeah. And you, you know it as well as anyone, Nick, that what we did with the motorcycle industry, we just never developed. Well, no, we, we uh, the British uh, industry was so poorly run at that point, we were relying on what were brilliant designs 30, 40, 50 years earlier, built on the same machinery from 30, 40, 50 years earlier. And yep. uh, tolerances which were measured in the thousands then, once the machinery had all worn down, were now measured not quite in inches, that might be a little excessive, but it wasn't far off. 
was what was happily known as slop. <laughs> it's a horrible name, that. Very. <laughs> a bit sloppy. <laughs> yeah, don't worry it's about the knocks. Yeah, don't worry about the knocks. Put a thicker oil in. Yeah, just put a little shim behind that bearing. It'll be all right. <laughs> it's it, terrible. It's a, I mean, the standard of some of that work that came out in the this, um, our first war, 45, early 50s, I, it was disgraceful. Yeah, it and really was. I thought that people would buy it because it was British. Yes, well, they did. That was the bad part. Um, some pe- uh, people still believed they were getting um, great engineering. I, and it's amazing how long... It shows the brilliance of the original design. I, if we were to look at probably the longest living, which tragically, tragically, maybe not tragically, has finally met its demise. But the Royal Enfield Classic 350 and Classic 500, which actually are going to be replaced in six days, Days by a brand new engine um, that is directly related to the bullet from Royal Enfield in 1938 so that engine yep. lasted 81 years uh, that's absolutely fantastic <laughs> I mean, it, it, look at the the, um, the mini the proper mini not the BMW thing yes not our awful BMW thing that engine <laughs> came into being the year that I was born in 1937. Yep. And it was an 850 side valve, if I remember correctly. Or flathead for the American audience. Yep, that's the one. And I, that was still in production, of, what, 10 years ago? Uh, 2000-ish, I think, so 20 years ago now. I think years. by 02, 03, I think it had pretty much disappeared. Although, who knows, there may be some country in Africa that's still bolting something together with an A-series. Well, remember what the Hindustan is. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a Hellman, isn't it, or is it a Humber? Uh, no, it's, it's an Austin, I think. Oh, is it? An, oh, that's right. It's yeah. Or and they even made a version of it in um, Iran, which was based off the old Morris Oxford and Austin Cambridge. That's I remember right. exactly. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that um, equipment that built it was precisely the equipment that had been in the British uh, workshops. Yeah, and, uh, and <laughs> incredible, amazing. Well, we're going to take thought- a we're going to take another break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to hear more from you, more stories, more. Just well, we're just going to chat about the automotive industry and how it's. Uh, developed or not developed over the years but we'll be right back am 650 kgab year old boy picked up the game of golf from his father the odds of that same boy winning the u.s open twice one in 1.2 billion the odds of him having a child diagnosed with autism one in 110 ernie else encourages you to learn the signs of autism at autismspeaks.org Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. NASCAR champion Bobby Levani here with my brother Terry and my nephew Justin. You know, every sport has its essential safety gear. For racing, we wear helmets, fire retardant suits, and no Mex gloves. For fishing, waterfowl hunting, and boating, we wear life jackets. After an intense race, there's nothing more relaxing than bass fishing or a little duck hunting on the lake. But we're the first ones to tell you, on the track or on the water, accidents happen fast. 
of the forecast is brought to you by Bob Ruart Motors. The easiest purchase you'll ever make. All roads lead to BobRuartMotors.com. It'll be a good-looking Saturday and final weekend of March weatherwise here across Cheyenne and southeastern Wyoming. 40s for highs today, a lot of sunshine, light to breezy winds, mid to upper 20s tonight. Little windy Sunday, but also warmer. High temperatures, 50s to near 60 degrees. Could briefly pop in the 60s on Monday, then trending colder. Little light snow Monday night. I'm Day Weather Meteorologist Ork Huor. AM650 KJB, Nick the Voter Guy. Back here on Cargab, and this time I have a character for you. And when I say a character, I mean somebody who is larger than life. Not that old, but with lots and lots of history within Cheyenne with his family. We're going to chat a little bit about that. We're going to chat a little bit about some music. And if you know, when I talk about music, I probably have a bass player on the show. And if it's not PJ, it's got to be this guy. And this guy is Jeremy Royer. Hey, Jeremy, how's it going? Hey, Nick, I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm good. I appreciate you coming on. And uh, we're going to chat a little bit about your history because... Just three, four weeks ago, we were trying to get some promotion going for the good old Diamond Horseshoe, that great cafe over on uh, South Greeley Highway. And we started to expand a little bit on your childhood, um, which was quite a long time ago. I mean, not... (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's not like talking to Max and saying prehistoric times, but it was a while ago. Well, you know, um, Max has fond memories of the French Revolution, and, uh, and we think that those are great. Well, of course he has fond memories. He probably has fond memories of 1066. <laughs> and as I've pointed out to him, how sad do you have to be as a nation when you are celebrating your last true military victory a thousand years ago? Well, um... Anyway, we, yeah, we, 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 we're we not here to beat up Max or any other Frenchman who happens to be foolishly listening. Now, we, does, does everybody understand what's going on, that this is recorded? Um, yes, they do. I actually uh, I actually expanded on that. I have a little intro where it says, don't call in because the people who are talking are just going to be hanging with me. So this is a, this is a different deal because I'm... I'm at home. I'm in my my atmosphere here. I'm in my dark basement. Excellent, with, and with I, my favorite refreshment. Even better. Uh, and so you by pretty guitars, and, and you've uh, even got your own green room. I, I, it's blue. Oh, it's blue. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, something like that. Yeah. So, uh, so we are relaxing. We don't have Zoom going. So if you're sitting around in your underwear, I I don't want to know. Just leave it alone, Jeremy. I got leave it. Leave it alone for you. I want. I want to say. I'm oh, okay. Just for you. Uh, I, it's just and everything. Excellent. I think. <laughs> As I said to Jeremy before we came on with this, um, I have no idea where this is going, and I apologize to folks right up front. The good news <laughs> is it's not live, so if it's really terrible, Matt, our fabulous engineer, who's going to actually listen to all this stuff, could go. Nope, I'm done with this. <laughs> So this may never see the light of day. This may be one of those cuts. You know what? In in the music business, there's a lot of those cuts. There are a lot of those cuts. But in the AM radio business, as long as we stay on the good side of the FCC, I think we're going to be just fine. I, I have memorized George Carlin's list of words we're not allowed to say. On yes, and, and so don't go there. Stop yeah. it. We got it. All right. So history lesson. History. Who was your grandpa? My grandfather was Marv Royer, 
Um, so he opened Mars Mobile Home Supply in Cheyenne. What uh, year was that? That would have been 59-ish, I think, 58, 59, somewhere in that neighborhood. He um, was from Littleton, Illinois, which is the little town on in, in Illinois that you almost can't find on a map. <laughs> um, and uh, sometime in the 40s, they moved to Loveland, Colorado, um, because my great-grandfather had come down with some disease that was related to the humidity. Okay. Uh, and so he needed a drier climate, and uh, Colorado it was. So they moved to Colorado, and uh, from there, my grandpa met my grandmother, and they got married, and he went to Korea. And after Korea, he was uh, a traveling salesman for a bit. Um, and he sold mobile home and RV parts um, uh, out of the trunk of a car, basically. And he had this big sales area that went all the way up into Montana. And so they always gave him big sedans, and he drove around and, and uh, did that. And at some point in time in the late 1950s, they decided that they could do this better on their own. And um, he opened that shop there, and he was the first mobile home dealer in Cheyenne. Wow. Uh, some others came later. Uh, then they were delivering mobile homes on the back of a pickup truck. <laughs> uh, so they were really just a little aluminum house trailers. Yeah. And um, he stayed in the in the mobile home service business. Uh, he quit dealing sometime. I don't remember. Some other fellows opened up. I think Bob Kidd opened a mobile home dealer up. And, um, a handful of different guys came in and opened dealerships. And... Um, Grandpa just wasn't really a sales-driven guy. I mean, he's not, the, he's not one of those make-the-hard-sale kind of guys. Right. And uh, so he quit doing that and just kept doing service work. And so I kind of grew up um, there. When I was born, we lived in a modular home behind the shop on South Greeley Highway. And uh, I just hung around the shop, and I knew... You know, my earliest memories were crawling around the old trucks and things like that. Grandpa always had old cars and trucks and farm equipment out back. And um, and so, his favorite tractor, right? Oh, several tractors. <laughs> so he was a he was a tractor collector. He um, had Olivers and John Deere's and nine in Fords and eight in Fords, and and that's that's really when I was real small. Uh, that was my playground, was climbing around in old dusty trucks, and I'd come in uh, covered in rust and grease from my head to my toes. Perfect. Yeah. That's awesome. And, of course, uh, lunch was occasionally had at a certain place in town, usually aboard a tractor, right? Well, and so this was after I had come back. We moved to California uh, in 87. Okay somewhere in that neighborhood. And after I came back, my grandmother had passed away and my parents had divorced. And I came back when I was about 15 years old and lived with Grandpa. And uh, that was, yeah, that was absolutely the thing. Uh, in summer times, too, when we'd come home to visit in the summer times, uh, Grandpa had uh, restored a Fordson Major diesel tractor, mm -hmm. English Ford diesel. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, he would fire it up and We'd jump on the fenders and ride down South Greeley Highway to the Diamond Horseshoe and, and have uh, 
lunch, breakfast, dinner. (laughs) (laughs) Now, at that point, you would have driven past a few other places. That would have, the A&W was still in business at that point? Uh, Let's see. By the time I got back, I think Beef and Bird was gone. But uh, it was there when I was a young guy. So that was our spot. Uh, Grandpa would have coffee and I'd get a root beer. And uh, we'd would go down to the Beef and Bird there is what it was the called. The Beef and Bird. Yeah. And of course, right just up the road from you was the Hatched Egg. Right. Which had also pretty well closed down by the 90s. Yeah, but I, I know it was closed down by the time I got here in 92 because there used to be all these cool cars parked across the front windows. I remember going over there and staring in the windows and thinking it must have been such a cool business when 85 was the main road and um, that history being lost is so sad. Yeah, well, and, and just, you know, being able to basically open our windows in the summertime and and hear what was going on at the Country Motor Speedway on a Saturday night. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And of but, course, that continues. It is the one of the oldest short tracks uh, still operating in the country. Yeah. Um, it is, uh, it's, uh, and I'm hoping at some point that we may have somebody from there on the show as well. Well, that would be excellent. So we'll do That'd a little a bit of promotion of for them. And I think that they're going to be able to kick back in and have a good season this year is what, uh, what we're all hoping. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping, and with the, I think with the success of things like Cruise Nights, uh, there's a lot of younger folk, 20s, 30s, who are starting to find the delight of uh, their cars and their motorcycles, and maybe we're having a renaissance here, I don't know, but it does feel a little bit different to the way I felt about it just two years ago. Yeah, yeah, it, it seems, I, I may have been the last generation that was really raised around uh, you know the old big cars and big blocks and, and a lot of those kind of things. Um, grandpa, dad, my uncles, everybody always had you know these great collections of cars, um, and more for practical use. You know, grandpa yeah. wasn't really a hot rodder, uh, but he always had a big sedan for grandma to drive. And, <laughs> and um, sedan or a wagon. Usually sedan by uh-huh. my time. Uh, I don't know if they had any wagons back when my father was small. They may have. Um, but uh, by my time, it was uh, Cadillacs and, and Lincolns and things like that that were all from the 70s. And, that's, and, yeah, those uh, pretty cool memories. Those were great cars. Well, Jeremy, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back. We'll talk a little bit more about your history and your family's history and it's a big part of uh, Cheyenne I mean the mobile home service I remember clearly when I came to town so we're going to chat about that more when we get back here AM 650 KGAB I'm a 40 year old man that walked in there to get his high school diploma it was very hard for me but Miss Araceli she gave me direction at age 47 Marco finished his high school diploma 50% of getting your high school diploma is walking through those doors. The other 50% is doing the work. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. We're here early before they wake up. We stay late. We stay informed. We invest in the latest technology. We take the time to train the next generation of doctors and nurses. We work together to make sure we heal their bodies and their minds. 
We do this not because it's our job, but because this is about our veterans' lives. This is our mission. More than 300,000 of us working as one, together with families and loved ones. No matter where they live in this country, we'll be there. We all come together and stand together to serve our veterans. We stand strong, united. Stand with us in caring for our veterans. They'll challenge your authority. They'll try to break your will. They'll push you to the edge of your sanity. Because that's what kids do. But this car is your territory, not theirs. Defend it. Who makes the payments? Who cleans it? Who drives it? You do. That's who. And in here, your word is law. So when you say you won't move until everyone's buckled up, you won't budge an inch until you hear that click. Never give up until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. For more information, visit safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup. Come on, man. That's like saying uh, you, before you got on this program, did you take a test at where you're taking cocaine or not. What do you think, huh? Are you a junkie? Well, we now saw, do you believe that it was the wind that blew Joe Biden over as he fell three times going up the stairs? You've seen many of the verbal gaffes. The rest of the media won't won't air it, but I've been airing it, and I've been playing it on this program. Seems like we're a sole voice in the wilderness, as usual. Look, I, I uh, have watched George H.W. Bush... Bill Clinton, George W. Bush, Barack Obama, and Donald Trump go up and down those stairs. So ever since the 747 came in, and it's a much bigger plane than the old 707. Uh, and in all five of those presidencies, I don't remember the wind ever knocking anybody over. Not one time. Not that I can remember. I mean, it might have happened, but I've always thought it's kind of amazing how these guys go up and down those stairs. Anybody who's ever had to get on a 747 from the ground knows that's a pretty long set of stairs. Uh, I mean, it looks great on TV and it's fabulous, but uh, so so you have this whole situation now where um, you have you know Biden can't remember who the Secretary of Defense is and he can't remember where he works that place over there. Uh, every time you turn around, it looks like he's not quite in touch with reality. Uh, they get him through each meeting with a couple cards to read from. Uh, my guess is that Ron Klain is the real president of the United States right now. Why do uh, I think that, it's probably – there's got to be some deep connection to Obama here. But we'll take a break. More with Newt on the other side. Um, I've got other questions i got to ask you. These are amazing times we're living in. Now they want to spend on top of the $2 trillion that was not COVID emergency relief – three trillion dollars a lot of which is quote green new deal energy money uh we'll get to that with newt and the rest of the agenda what questions he would ask on thursday keeping the truth alive hannity is on
Since 1964, Hustler Turf has been engineering and making the original zero-turn lawnmowers right here in the USA with U.S. and global parts. Professional landscapers and homeowners rely on Hustler's trademark smooth track steering, their durable welded steel decks, and their premium reinforced seats that provide a superior ride and ultra comfort. Once you drive a Hustler, you'll immediately feel the difference. And let me tell you something else, you'll actually look forward to mowing your grass. These top-of-the-line mowers allow you to mow faster and more efficiently. For professionals, that means more money in your pocket. For homeowners, that means spending more time with your family. If something should ever happen to your Hustler mower, or you simply need a replacement part like a new blade, help is never far away with Hustler's gigantic network of over 1,000 dealers nationwide. Visit HustlerTurf.com to find one near you. That's H-U-S-T-L-E-R Turf.com. Close your eyes in Chicago, and you can hear the sound of zebra braying in Africa. Look hard out your window in DC, and you can see the snow-covered peaks of the Andes. Stand on a corner in LA and feel the hot wind of the Sahara brush across your face. The world is that small. We are that connected. Please visit earthshare.org and learn how the world's leading environmental groups are working together, making it so simple for you to make a difference. Because we are many, and we are one. Please visit us at earthshare.org to learn more. Earthshare, one environment, one simple way to care for it all. A public service message from Earthshare and the Ed Council. They've stormed beaches and freed countries. Protected the weak and defeated the strong. Shown courage and compassion. raised our flag and our hope. They've been called Leathernecks. They've been called Devil Dogs. But above all, they're called Marines. My daughter and I would ever think the same thing is cool. At home, my boys are like a wrecking ball. But when they volunteer, they're actually shaping things up. Hey, they, they planted trees at the local park. Clean the place up. She makes new friends. She has a great time. My son loves it. He's contributing. These are nice kids. The Are You Into It Volunteer Program is a great way for you and your kids to make a difference in the community while making friends. So, if you're into it, or you think your kid might be, call 4-H toll-free at 1-888-77-YOUTH. Or visit our website at www.areyouintoit.com. We can't get him to clean his room, but he loves volunteering. A public service message brought to you by 4-H, the Cooperative Extension System, and the Ad Council.
You take your six-year-old to the playground. You watch her go down the slide, then run over to the swings. Another mother strikes up a conversation. You take your eye off your daughter for just a few seconds. You look back at the swings, and she's gone. Your heart drops into your stomach. You jump up, your eyes searching. You cry out her name. Lily? Lily? From the top of the slide, you hear a voice. Mommy, watch me. Every parent knows that feeling. Imagine if she were actually abducted. Go to wirelessamberalerts.org. Sign up for free Amber Alerts on your cell phone. When an Amber Alert is issued in the areas you've chosen, you'll receive a free text message. If you spot the vehicle, the suspect, or the child described in the alert, call 911. Sign up today at wirelessamberalerts.org. A child is calling for help. This message brought to you by the Wireless Foundation, the U.S. Department of Justice, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, and the Ad Council. And as we roll along, former Speaker of the House Newt Gingrich is uh, with us. We'll get to your phone calls coming up at the bottom of the hour, uh, 800-941-SEAN. All right, so... Now they want to spend $3 trillion on this, quote, infrastructure project. Um, you do, you, you're the last person as speaker to ever balance a budget. With all this COVID spending, some of which was necessary, people were in desperate need. I don't have a problem with it. But a lot of it's waste, fraud, and abuse, and now all this money is going to be green energy money. What happens to this country as a result of this reckless spending, we're talking about now five trillion dollars Joe spent. Well, and remember, he's only in the second month of spending. Uh, you know, give this guy a couple of years, and it'll be amazing what he can accomplish. Uh, I think you have to see all of this in the context of the Jerry Maguire movie, where he says, "Show me the money." This is about buying votes. I mean, nobody should kid themselves. This is all about buying votes. Uh, there's no amount of money that they can get that's too much. They've got to pay off the teachers' union. They've got to pay off the various other unions. They've got to pay off Democratic local officials. Uh, they are the party of government, and they are the party that does not like business and doesn't like, particularly doesn't like independent small businesses. And so their whole effort is to take your cash to buy re-election by building a bigger machine. And I think if you combine the commitment to woke values with a commitment to building a machine, you understand everything that you need to know. So bypassing... Uh, all, all the rest is just lies. Bypassing a co-equal branch of government, open borders, court packing, D.C., Puerto Rico, statehood, H.R. 1, get rid of the legislative filibuster, radical Green New Deal... How do, how, how do they ever lose an election in the future because they're stacking the deck completely in their favor? Well, the same way we've won with Reagan, the same way we won with a contract with America, the truth is that when you come down to it, they somebody figured out that the average American pays $14,000 for the $1,400 uh, bonus check. Now, even in a world where the left wants to abolish the mathematics having numbers, it's really hard to say to yourself, this is a great deal. I give you $14,000, you give me $1,400. That's, that's the Biden model, because he needs your cash to pay off his allies. And the truth is, he doesn't have enough allies. So when, when I think we will win in 22, 
and I suspect will win by a big margin in 24, uh, because his system simply fails. This is Jimmy Carter all over again. Well, it's uh, Jimmy Carter on steroids and human growth hormone, but... Mr. Speaker, we got to run. Um, thank you for being with us. We appreciate it. We'll hit the phones when we get back. Toll free. It's 800 941 If you want to be a part of the uh, program, we got a great Hannity tonight. Nine Eastern, Senator Ted Cruz, Senator Lindsey Graham. We have our reporters down on both sides of the border. Ron DeSantis, Laura Trump, and much more. Nine Eastern on Hannity. Your calls are next. Hey, the word is out, and so many thousands of you are abandoning their overpriced wireless carriers and flocking to Pure Talk USA for the exact same coverage, but at a fraction of the price. That's right. If you're with Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, make the switch to Pure Talk, and that could save you and your family over $800 a year. Switching is simple and easy. Now you get to keep your phone, your phone number. Get huge discounts on the latest iPhones, Androids. I just got recently the iPhone 12. I love it. Kept my phone number, and I'm getting the same great coverage for half the price. They have more options, like right now, a special unlimited talk, unlimited text, six gigs of data, just 30 bucks a month. If you go over on data, don't tell anybody. They don't charge you for it. From your cell phone, just dial pound 250, keyword save now, and you'll save 50% off your first month. Dial pound 250, say the keyword save now, and you'll have the option to receive a one-time auto-dial text message from Pure Talk USA. I'm Zach, CEO and co-founder of Roman. Intimacy is about more than what happens in the bedroom. I hear this from our members every day. Erectile dysfunction treatment helps men feel more confident in the bedroom, but it also unlocks so much more outside of it. A connection, warmth, they feel more in sync with their partner. And that's what every couple deserves. With Roman, it's simple to connect with a healthcare professional online and find the treatment plan that's right for you and your partner. Go to GetRoman.com slash Liberty, and we'll take $15 off your first month of ED treatment. Your medication is sent directly to your home in discreet packaging. It arrives fast and free in just two days. With Roman, a healthcare professional is always available to answer your questions, and you can choose from either generic or brand name medication. Simple, straightforward, the way healthcare should be. Go to GetRoman.com slash Liberty to save $15 on your first month of ED treatment. Roman. Let's take care of it.
They'll challenge your authority. They'll try to break your will. They'll push you to the edge of your sanity. Because that's what kids do. But this car is your territory, not theirs. Defend it. Who makes the payments? Who cleans it? Who drives it? You do. That's who. And in here, your word is law. So when you say you won't move until everyone's buckled up, you won't budge an inch until you hear that click. Never give up until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. For more information, visit safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup. We're here early before they wake up. We stay late. We stay informed. We invest in the latest technology. We take the time to train the next generation of doctors and nurses. We work together to make sure we heal their bodies and their minds. We do this not because it's our job, but because this is about our veterans' lives. This is our mission. More than 300,000 of us working as one, together with families and loved ones. No matter where they live in this country, we'll be there. We all come together and stand together to serve our veterans. We stand strong, united. Stand with us in caring for our veterans. And we're back. Nick Lamona Guy with Jeremy Roy here on CarGab on AM650 KGAB. We've been chatting a little bit about Marv's mobile home service, which was a... a, a a big part of uh, business here, right in Cheyenne, for many, many years. Started, you said the fifties, right? Yeah, uh, in in late fifties, um, and I just don't remember exactly what year. Uh, but it was they had bought a house and basically built the shop on the front of the house. I remember that. I remember going in there because when I came down, Brooks and my first place was a mobile home um, in the blighted trailer area uh, right behind the Diamond Horseshoe. That's where Brooke and I started out. Right. And I think we paid five grand for it. Um, and we borrowed all of that money right downstairs here in the American National Bank building. Um, and... I didn't know anything about mobile homes, and I sure as heck didn't know anything about uh, when they went wrong, so I had to learn. And I remember going in to Marv's and talking, I was assuming, to your granddad, an older gentleman who was always mega helpful when I went in. Yeah, what, what year was this that you had... Mid-90s, early to mid-90s. Mid-90s. So that would have been right about the time that they were transitioning out, they were retiring, and uh, my uncle, Gene, took over the shop. So Gene and Jan ran the shop up until uh, they retired here just a few years ago. Yeah, this would have been right around 93, 94. Right. Yeah, so that would have been, well, no, let's see. You would have probably seen Grandpa. Uh, Grandma died in 93. So you would have probably seen Grandpa. Yeah. Um, I say it was it was definitely an elderly gentleman who was down there, and I say he was. If I remember, he was slightly hard of hearing, and my accent was a lot stronger than it is today. And it was always quite an adventure. Yeah, no, he was. He didn't hear well. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think we were finally able to get him in hearing aids when he was oh, 87 or 88. Wow. And, and he really didn't ever like them. <laughs> uh, and I know a lot of people like that. My father is at the top of that list. Mm-hmm. Um, but, if, but if you noticed, with people who are hard of hearing, particularly if they're related to you, particularly if they are like, well, particularly if they're your father, I found, that they don't hear well until you're muttering something under your breath and then their <laughs> hearing suddenly becomes magically restored. <laughs> <Might> be. <laughs> Probably something to that, especially depending on what it is. Uh, yeah, so of course, you know, you being the perfect child that you were never got caught like that. <laughs> you know, it's it's one of those strange situations that my, you know, family was good and my grandfather was definitely good. And uh, and I just wasn't. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know where that came from exactly yes yes I, my, definitely had a flair for the darker side of yes I, I think I was along those lines my 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 sister was, was, was the good kid and I was well uh, yeah I wasn't but we had fun right uh, I had a blast um, my brother and I got into a debate about who was the good kid one time prodded along by a distant relative of ours and uh, well, either way, I probably should. Good morning, good morning, Nick, the motor guy, back here no, on don't. Car Gap. We, well, kind of back here because <laughs> I'm actually going to take a bit of a break. I'm either uh, selling okay. myself <laughs> or out on a motorcycle. Well, well, well or left with a alone car. there, Jeremy. <laughs> no, just taking a break from Car well, of course, as much as I love music, it. and uh, that I'm going to be doing some interviews today. There will be no calls in, but hopefully, you enjoy hearing a few voices you may never have heard before, or maybe some voices that was your father's voice as well. So new stories. My father. Anyway, here we go. It's funny, music and automotive, motorcycles, etc., do tend to just really go together. Um, uh, now, with music, for my father, it was a fairly steady diet of uh, Wagner and classical music, which I, I, I still absolutely love, although I can't quite recite the uh, entire Wagner ring cycle like I was able to at the age of eight. Well... You know, you're you're allowed to forget a few things. <laughs> I'm sure he's listening, and I'm sure he's shaking his head with disgust right now. <laughs> and, and that means next time he's over, we will be listening to him, which will be just fine. Yeah, <laughs> I'll I'll even come. I'll, I'll sit in with you. You'll sit in with me on that. Excellent, excellent. So. We'll uh, change it up a little bit because this is going to be heard over the uh, next few weeks as I take breaks. And, of course, we're, we're, sta- we're sitting here uh, March the 24th. Things are opening up. Mu- live music is uh, starting to happen. Uh, just last week, uh, there was some, some great stuff going on. And you are going to be uh, playing some gigs as uh, some of your friends, correct? We are. Um, yeah. So we're Mr. Bird the Perfect. <clears throat> Excuse me. I apparently have a dog barking here. <laughs> we're Mr. Bird and the Perfect Strangers, of course, and so we'll be booking some stuff this summer. Uh, it looks like most most things are going to get back going. We're we're really hopeful uh, that the Midtown kicks off soon. Alf has been doing a great job. Yep. And they've been booking pretty steady. Uh, the Terry Bison Ranch has been doing really well. Um, and has been booking real steady stuff. Yeah, they have. And uh, Friday nights on the plaza looks like that's going to be full speed ahead, so that's great news. Yes, and depending on when this airs, 
I may or may not have an announcement about that, but I think it's still a secret. All right. Well, we can uh, hold on for that. And I know that uh, on the live weekends, I will be dragging you on when you're not on the road delivering gasoline. Absolutely. That'd be great. Or should I say passing gas? Passing gas. Yes. So, and uh, I, the Lincoln is reopening. Um, looks like they're starting to get some steady shows, so that's pretty exciting. And a great venue with a lot of people really haven't been able to enjoy yet. So, right. I, they, they are still very, very restricted in capacity, it looks like. But hopefully right. that will start to change. Uh, it, you know, the sooner the better. It looks like there's um, some new advisories. Uh, according to the New York Times, anyway, they're saying that three feet is is more appropriate than six, and I, I expect uh, by summertime we'll have that down to zero feet, which is probably where it belongs. To yeah, well, and it's certainly as they've that quite honestly, the the vaccine and whatever starts to starts to change things. Uh, I'm just relieved to see things open. I'm relieved to see people hopefully starting to find their lives again. And certainly a big part of that for a lot of people is going to be live music being back. Yeah, no, I think that's good. I saw a, um, I saw a meme on Facebook or something the other day that, that said, uh, the real healing will start when live music starts again. I, I think there's something to that. Oh, I I couldn't agree more. And it's going to be such a relief uh, for the musicians who enjoy playing, but even more so for the musicians who have to play. Because without their the venues for them to go and show their craft off in, they, they, they don't have a living. They That's true. And... Uh, obviously, I mean, like we discussed, I have a day job and, and keep all those regular type things. But um, it's it's significant how much of a part of of my income this this was. Um, yep. So so to be able to play, to be able to go out and work, and and I would expect a lot of the musicians around town really haven't put the pen to paper and really thought about. How much they're losing just on what's their kind of side hustle? Well, that and you also, and also just in skill level, when you're not able to play, yes, you can still practice, yes, but there's nothing like actually performing to develop who you are as a performer. And I'll find a, a bad habit for me is, is that I tend to operate a little bit better if I feel like I'm under some pressure, like I got to get this down for something. Yep. And so it's hard to. Um, it's hard to really keep motivated and, and get things going right. Yeah, when you don't know when the, the next time you're actually going to be under the pressure to make it happen properly. Right. I understand totally. Well, Jeremy, we are going to uh, take another break here and then we will come back. And in the future, what I hope to do with the show, and we chatted a little bit about this, but I'd like to announce to folks, uh, Jeremy, uh, we're going to try and get some musicians on in the future, do a few more of these, and uh, just expand the local music scene as part of Car Gap because, well, quite honestly, I just want to do it and it's fun. I think I've got a great list of people to have have you talked to that's great well we'll be doing that in the future but for today we'll leave it there and thanks for your time i really appreciate it jeremy you bet take care we'll be back am 650 kgab you're listening to cheyenne's news and talk station am 650 kgab orchard valley cheyenne a town square media station 
They'll challenge your authority. They'll try to break your will. They'll push you to the edge of your sanity. Because that's what kids do. But this car is your territory, not theirs. Defend it. Who makes the payments? Who cleans it? Who drives it? You do. That's who. And in here, your word is law. So when you say you won't move until everyone's buckled up, you won't budge an inch until you hear that click. Never give up until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. For more information, visit safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup. I am a veteran. I lost both lakes in Vietnam. As America's veterans face challenges, DAV is there. My victory was getting my benefits and a good education. DAV helps veterans of every generation get the benefits they've earned. I'm a veteran. I didn't want to admit it, but I have PTSD. So veterans can reach victories, great and small. My victory was finding help and learning that I wasn't alone. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Hi everybody, I'm Jack Hanna. Since I was a boy, I've been fascinated with animals, especially their tireless work ethic. This work ethic is shared by our best friends, canines who perform life-saving work every day. So please join me and American Humane in supporting our heroic working dogs. Go to AmericanHumane.org to learn more. Well, the forecast is brought to you by Bob Ruart Motors, the easiest purchase you'll ever make. All roads lead to BobRuartMotors.com. It'll be a good-looking Saturday and final weekend of March weatherwise here across Cheyenne and southeastern Wyoming. 40s for highs today, a lot of sunshine, light to breezy winds, mid to upper 20s tonight. Little windy Sunday, but also warmer. High temperatures, 50s to near 60 degrees. Could briefly pop in the 60s on Monday, then trending colder, little light snow Monday night. I'm Day Weather Meteorologist Ork Huor. And we're back, AM 650, KGAB, Nick the Motor Guy, back here on Cargab. And I'm really proud to have somebody with me who well, started as a business relationship, has kind of become a mentor and occasionally, hey, Nick, you got rose-tinted spectacles, which as business people, we all need those reminders. Um, my uh, good friend, Chris Fletcher, and Kozaki district manager for this region. Chris, thanks for coming on today with me oh glad to nick uh it's fun to fun to have this uh opportunity to chat with you and your fans well you know we, we one of the joys of people in our industry be it cars or be it bikes is most of us who end up in here for a length of time that we'll we'll just leave it alone but it's been a while for both of us right Yes, sir. Um, we're enthusiasts, and we do it because it just drags you in. It becomes really a great thing between the people you meet, the companies you get to work for. Uh, and quite honestly, and I tell people this all the time, when they ask me, what about this machine, what about that machine? And if it's a Kawasaki against everything else, I have to look at it and go, well... I bleed green, so I'm just warning you ahead of time. And Kawasaki not only produces a magnificent vehicle, but the people who are in the company and the company itself, in my opinion, are as good as anybody out there. Well, that's wonderful for you to say, Nick, and it's something that I feel pretty strongly with, too. And 
Um, you know, I, I liken it to a disease. You know, we all kind of <laughs> have this disease when we were kids. Um, I blame it on my father. So, uh, you know, but it's a, it's something that came into my life and it's stuck and it's never going away. So, and, you know, and having good relationships with our business partners, is, like you were saying, it's just, it's fantastic. It's a, it makes it a really fun business. It really does. And your disease, and don't worry, I blame my father as well. So we're, we're alike in that one. But your disease has started pretty early age. Uh, why, why don't you tell us a bit about that? Yeah. Well, what I, I mean, I always loved bicycles. So growing up as a kid, I always had a bicycle, loved to ride in the dirt, loved to jump bicycles, all kinds of fun things like that. So it was like a, you know, with my dad having motorcycles, uh, brothers having motorcycles as I grew up. Um, you know, I just, I gained a liking to them at a very, I wouldn't say a young age as it, as it stands in concern it, versus uh, some other sports and such. But boy, by 10, 10 the age of 10, I was um, playing on motorcycles. And by 11 and 12, I had already had a couple and was uh Riding them, taking them apart, rebuilding them, sometimes <laughs> mashing two motorcycles together to get one. And, uh, and it was just, it was something that was, kept me very occupied as a kid. And honestly, it kept me out of trouble. So. Yes, I think that, that that's a good piece of it. And of course, while you were doing that, you didn't exactly have any intentions of doing this as, for a living, right? Oh, no, no, it was something you kind of you think, oh, it'd be fun to work and doing this. But my head was so wrapped around just the the joy of being able to get out and ride and hang out with friends and and do those kinds of things. That that was the first thing. And it wasn't till a little bit later in life that I kind of figured out, hey, this could be a career. <laughs> but it was almost by mistake when it happened, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, for me, it was so. Um, I just ended up from a young age, younger age, I ended up racing, uh, motorcycles in the dirt, motocross. And, uh, you know, with that, it just, I, I can say that from 13, 14 on, it was a part of my life riding and racing motorcycles in the dirt. So, so, so we got I got to put you on the line here. Were they always green? No, they weren't. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Started out on a Chaparral 100 and ended up getting uh, Elsinore, Honda Elsinore 125, yep. Honda Elsinore 50s, and uh, you know, kind of went from there. So you were a bit of a red guy then? Uh, I would say a little bit, yeah, early on. So, <laughs> well, look, I, and rightly so. They, I mean, they are brilliant machines, but... Yeah, yeah they, they're a good engineering company very similar to kawasaki absolutely absolutely and so when did when did you first really become aware of kawasaki and uh where did that come from uh, that was that was around 17 18 years old um and with that you know i just as i started racing more i just liked the green <laughs> you know and became uh a fan of the green and some of the motorcycles that they had available like and you know really i started racing kx 500s at about 18 and uh that and is a lunatic machine at any age but at 18 that was a handful 
it was a handful, and I was a scrawny little runt, so <laughs> I was kind of, I could, I guess I could move it a little bit better than most of the guys at that time. <laughs> so, you you actually went to school for something entirely different, right? Yes, sir, I did. I did. Um, I went to school to be a dental hygienist, and I was actually going on to be an orthodontist, and before I decided that school was just not in the cards for me, you might say. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm thinking staring in people's mouths against hanging with uh, motorcyclists and cool machines. I know which one I'm with. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It didn't take much to get me to switch, that's for sure. And when I was in uh, school doing my training, I that's where I, uh, I'd worked at a motorcycle dealership part-time and actually I was racing bikes and he was helping me with that helping to sponsor me so with that I was involved in working in dealer, a dealership and and getting to do what I wanted to do so you know as, as far as part-time it was just the ultimate job so I really enjoyed that absolutely I, I and I mean just kind of dragged you in when when did you first get the opportunity to go and work uh, for Kozaki corporate because you I mean typical of so many people I've met with Kozaki corporate over the last four or five years once you become part of Kozaki um you you don't leave yeah it is, it is a company it's more uh family oriented you might say that you know trip just Everybody's really good to each other within the company, and uh, you know it's it's you get a lot of support from different angles, mm -hmm. and just a lot of solid people that just showed me that wow, this is this is a good company. They build good product. They're out there trying to do good things, and and they reward your people for it. So well, you know, my counterparts and people that I was working with, it was I. I was working with some 30, 40, and even 50-year in the industry people, and for the most part, most of those their experiences were with Kawasaki that whole time. Which is incredible for a company that has been in the States now for only a little over 50 years. So they've had the same employees almost in their entire U.S. history. Yes, sir. Yeah, it's... It's not something that you see in today's world, that's for sure. It, it really isn't. And you can tell. I mean, as a dealer for you, I mean, obviously, I pick up the phone and I, I call you and I, I always uh, get an answer. It may not always be what I want as an answer, but it, I get the answers I need and anybody I deal with. They're just, they're just great people. And I, I just want to make one point to everybody out there. And you've heard me say this before, but with Chris on, I'd like to reinforce it. One year ago, when everything got shut down and power sports dealers like myself were in very, very concerned about where we were going, the first company to make phone calls, and I received calls from Chris, and I got letters and emails from the CEO of the company saying, you're okay, we got you back. And they did something which no other company did, not to that extent, and certainly not that quickly. And I will be forever loyal and forever grateful because of that. Oh, that's very good to hear, sir. And that's, you know, I, I like that we, we panicked, of course, but, um, you know, within a short period of time, we quickly realized that, hey, 
people are still buying bikes. People are still wanting <laughs> to get out and spend time in nature, spend time with their families. And, and so that, you know, for us, we realized it fairly quickly yeah. and, you know, ended up redirecting and, and, you know, just trying to weather the storm and, and keep, keep businesses rolling, keep our dealerships healthy and, and move along. So and a, support your customers. And again, yeah. this is the joy of it, I've, because we, because us as dealers know that we got a company like you at our backs, we can we can be there for the customers absolutely without a doubt that we've got the backing we need. And I, I I've been in business for twenty years now, and there's no company that's ever done like that like that for me. So wonderful, it's great. Thank you very much. Well, and Chris, of course, you're still enthusiastic. You still ride occasionally, right? Even between all I, this running around after these difficult dealers like myself. Yeah, boy, they're a handful, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> no, I, I I, do joke. I tell people, well, you know, if I wanted to start riding dirt bikes like I used to, I'd probably have to get another job. But, <laughs> but yeah, it's um, I'm working it out. I try to find time to balance it and... I love any minute I can spend on a dirt bike or a street bike, for that matter. So it's uh, just getting out and playing is a is a good thing for you. It's healthy. It's it. Uh, it's healthy it both it, physically and mentally. Certainly, certainly, and it and it helps to keep us motivated too. Absolutely. Well, Chris, I'm going to take a quick break here, and then we'll bring back in. Maybe we could talk about a couple of the new models he headed our way, which have been announced already. Uh, maybe a little bit about the uh, rebirth of the granddaddy of them all, the KLR650. So, oh, sure. We'll be right back. We'll be right back here. AM650 KGAB. AM650 KGAB. Nick the Motor Guy back here on the. Uh, car gab bike gab right now with chris fletcher from kozaki good friend great mentor great business partner partner for me at share motorsports and this segment we are going to talk about a couple of machines which one of them has been part of kozaki's motorcycle life my motorcycle life many riders motorcycles lives over the last oh 30 plus years and that would be the klr 650 Chris, it's pretty exciting. We finally got an updated KLR650 coming sometime in 2021. I'm I'm so excited for it. Yes, sir. Me too. It's it's one of those bikes. Um, they call it the Swiss Army Knife motorcycle, as in it, you can do just about anything in it. Um, and it's you know it's great for adventuring and heading from here, say like to the tip of South America. Um, um, you know. And tough as nails, easy to work on, simple. Uh, I mean, and now with the added advantage, the modernizations, some updates on braking and suspension, and probably the biggest one, finally, fuel injection. Yes, sir. There has been a lot of people waiting for this motorcycle to get some updates, and uh, and the nice thing about it is, with the model that they're releasing here shortly as a 2022 model year uh it's it's got a lot of those things that are taken care of and and the biggest feature i feel this bike has is its price tag um, you know, it, it's not a plus ten thousand dollar motorcycle no, it's not I, it's a lot of out there and and this bike you know boy it started out and it was probably around 
$39.99, and it's, you know, at this point, we're up around $7,000 in this with this type of motorcycle with it coming in at a couple different variations. Well, we've, and you know, we, we've seen a lot of manufacturers climbing on this adventure bike uh, wagon, something that quite honestly, Kawasaki with the KLR pretty much invented. Yes, there were others along the way, but the KLR is kind of the granddaddy of them all. And when I when it was discontinued in 2018, we were all pretty despondent about it, and we all wondered what it was going to be, what what was going to happen. And when you you guys announced the 2022 model, I was excited for the specs. But then when you announced that the price basically had not changed, I mean that that is incredible. It's going to give access to a great all-round machine that you can go across the world on for a very 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 reasonable price. Yeah, that's the fact, Nick. Um, yes, and that's the thing with this motorcycle. I've seen it uh, time and time again throughout my career that people did take these and ride them out around the world. And uh, I've seen them ride them up into Alaska and tour all over. So the nice thing is, is the motorcycle hasn't been changed dramatically over the years so boy wherever you go you're probably going to be able to find parts and pieces to to keep this thing on the road and not have any issue absolutely and it, again it, it just proves that it's something that uh, Kawasaki's always been brilliant at they get it right console. early and they they then don't change a lot they just tweak it a little bit here and there and their, their engineering is so good at the beginning that it's something which uh, will we'll grow with you yeah, that's correct. The, the changes are usually minimal, and if it, if anything, it's just making it that much better. Yeah, so it's been fun to see this motorcycle morph from um, its beginning in about uh, 1985. I think it's 84, I think, with the original KL 600. KLR 600 here. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, I, I had one, um, and it, it was a great machine. It still had a Kickstarter on it as well, and that could be a bear, but that's another story. Yeah, that is. <laughs> well, and we go from what is, I, in no disrespect to Kawasaki or the KLR, but we go from fairly basic four-stroke engineering, and then occasionally over the last 50 years, Kawasaki just decides to completely throw the baby out with the bathwater, lose its mind, and produce a bike which completely reinvents the industry. They did it with the H2, the original H1 and H2 triple cylinder two-strokes. They did it again with the twin cam Z900 Z1s back through uh, the 70s. They did it again with the GPZ900Rs, um, the Top Gun bike, as so many people think of it. And Certainly. I and I think yet again with the ZX11 um, in the early 90s, which was the first really safe, very very fast, um, high high end sport bike. Uh, every time I've ridden one of those, I've gone, "Wow, this change this changes bike motorcycling right now." And in 2015, Kawasaki did it again, and maybe you'd like to expand on that. Sure, sure. Yeah, they, they're one company that doesn't sit on their hands. They, when they want to innovate and lead an industry, for the most part, um, they'll do that. And, and like you were saying, in 2025, they did that with the uh, 
H2 and they had a H2R, which these two came with a uh, one of the first production superchargers that is put on a motorcycle and and vastly or produced in in a fair amount of numbers. Let's say. Yeah, I mean, in 2015, I mean, it just turned everything on its head. And the first time I, I rode an H2 variant, it's not just the almighty power that it makes. It's where and how it does it. I mean, with a, a high-performance four-stroke engine, we've all been used to the fact that with twin camshafts, aggressive cam timing, etc., etc., you've got to rev them. You've got to get them to spin to find the exciting stuff. And when you do find that exciting stuff, wow, does this bike give back. It's just incredible. Well, we're going to take a break. We're going to be right back and chat with Chris Moore on the incredible H2 and the incredible engineering behind this motorcycle and behind this company, which does so many special things in our industry and way beyond. We'll be right back. AM650. KGAB. Forecast is brought to you by Bob Ruart Motors. The easiest purchase you'll ever make. All roads lead to BobRuartMotors.com. It'll be a good-looking Saturday and final weekend of March weatherwise here across Cheyenne and southeastern Wyoming. 40s for highs today, a lot of sunshine, light to breezy winds, mid to upper 20s tonight. Little windy Sunday, but also warmer. High temperatures, 50s to near 60 degrees. Could briefly pop in the 60s on Monday, then trending colder, little light snow Monday night. I'm Day Weather Meteorologist Ork Huor. Nick the Motor Guy back here on AM650 KGAB with uh, Chris Fletcher from Kawasaki. We've been talking about the 2015 H2 models, which have now morphed into many others. Chris, you were telling us a little bit about uh, what, what got Kawasaki's juices flowing to produce this model. They are, as far as manufacturers go, they are one that wants to produce a leader. I mean, they want to annihilate the competition when it comes to building um, bikes for racing. And that, you know, that carries down all the way down to the KXs, KX250, KX450. And it's just something that is in our DNA. And, you know, like you were mentioning, going back to uh, Z1 and the H, original H2s, they, it's just always been in them to want to lead an industry. Yeah, and they've always kind of been the ones like, yeah, we have the most powerful bike. And with the H2R, I d I'm not sure that's ever, I mean, admittedly, not a road bike, but it is a semi-production bike. It's built in significant numbers. Um, and we're talking horsepower of? In excess of 300. <laughs> it is just so completely insane. insane. <laughs> yeah, power to rate weight ratio on that motorcycle it, it's it's unheard of i mean it as far as that goes and uh, the numbers compared to uh, things like jets yeah and then cars or you know other things it's it's insane. And just to hear one, I mean, not just the H2R, but even the regular H2 series, I, every every gish of folks, I mean, I've ridden these and um, just every time you shift, you hear the the, the valves for the supercharged charger system whistle and it is it is so addictive. I, I, <laughs> it, yeah. it, it encourages bad behavior. Oh, it's, it has a feeling in sound similar to like an F, F1 race car. It does. 
Yeah, it's absolutely magnificent. And, of course, we've gone from the H2s, and as they've developed them, we then had even the incredibly comfortable, very, very versatile uh, touring, quotation marks, model in the H2 SXSE. Yeah, I had the joy to have one of those in my garage for a while, and that, that was a phenomenal motorcycle, but it's, it could be an everyday rider. Absolutely, but you gave it back? I, yeah, it was a work bike, let's say. <laughs> yeah, I have to give it back. And oh. It's probably better for my uh, safety and especially my driving record. Well, yes, the driving record is an issue. And, of course, last yeah. year we got the H2 Naked, which added not only... Um, the incredible supercharged engine, but then some very original, aggressive styling, which is still, and this is one of the things they've done so well with the H2 series. There is absolutely no doubt what you are looking at. You cannot confuse this with any other machine on the road. No, it, you, you can't. And when you see it, it's just, it's, it's an amazing piece of art. And, uh, you know, hearing the supercharger, seeing it launch, it's, it's just an incredible, fun, fun piece of machinery. And the original H2s, of course, they had the H2, the H2 Carbon, and the H2R. There is an yes, H2 sir. Carbon in my future. Thank you, uh, Chris, for uh, managing to uh, get us one of those. I'm incredibly excited. That should, that should arrive at Shire Motorsports here within the next, oh, I'm hoping the next month or six weeks. That sounds about right. Yeah, those mm. those motorcycles are hand built, and uh, that's that's since inception. That's how they've done it. Uh, they would end up build one builder starts on that motorcycle, and that builder completes the motorcycle. So it's a, it's a really interesting concept, in especially in a production driven business that we our worlds turned into. Yeah, and it just shows the passion that. Uh, Kawasaki as a company has because of course really the power sports side for Kawasaki is relatively tiny when you look at the the company as a whole as Kawasaki Heavy Industries. Yes sir and they're they are a global company and uh, they, you know they love building helicopters, uh, turbine engines to power power plants, um, rail cars, uh, heavy equipment down to string trimmers. And, of course, we would be remiss if we didn't mention the fact that Kawasaki was the first Japanese manufacturer way back in 1973 to have a manufacturing plant here in the U.S. And it is still here in Lincoln, Nebraska, and growing bigger. That is correct, Nick. Yeah, they, um, they've, it's morphed over the, the time frame, and... Right now, we're building a lot of side-by-side -side vehicles, ATV vehicles, uh, and personal watercraft vehicles out of that Lincoln, Nebraska plant. Uh, they've also, they're doing small engines for lawnmowers. And uh, next to that facility, they have a rail car company that is doing rail cars for all around the country, but specifically the New York City subway system. So many of you may well have ridden in a Kawasaki, even though you may never have been on a PowerSport unit in your life. But if you haven't, you should try it because it's fun. And again, of course, one other thing that a lot of people don't realize, and I didn't until I became more involved with Kawasaki through the dealership, is the tie-in with Boeing. Yeah, yeah. They're doing uh, plain fuselages, pieces, and parts for Boeing, and, and different other military contracts as well. But... Um, they, uh, they're also doing items for uh, the Space Center 
Yeah. And they're involved in that as well. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. Well, Chris, thank you for your time today. Thank you for sharing your passion for the industry, for motorcycles as a whole, and for Kawasaki as a company. So I could not be more proud to be involved with all of you. And thanks for your time today. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate you bringing me on your show, Nick. And it's it's been fun working with you. And I love what you're doing. And keep up the great work. We will. We're gonna we're gonna keep doing it together. Take care, my friend. Bye bye. Fantastic. Yeah. Bye.
650 KGAB, Nick the Motor Guy, back here on CarGab. And with me today for the next segment, or next two or three segments maybe, Tim Joannidis, uh, a good friend and tremendous mentor, and of course somebody well-known in the Cheyenne and Wyoming area uh, for being the owner of many years of Halliday Motors. And uh, general, generally superb philanthropist, supporter of this community, and the... Uh, brain, the brains and the brawn almost behind Cars and Cigars, a wonderful car show which had its inaugural event back uh, back in September of 2020, and uh, we are going to be doing the second one this year. And so I thought we'd chat about that and see what Tim's been up to in his refirement, as he puts it. How are you, Tim? I'm doing great. Actually, I'm doing better than I deserve, Nick. Thank you. <laughs> well, you were just complaining to me that you had to have your jacket on in the 55-degree uh, weather in Arizona, and I just want to say how sorry I feel for you. Well, it gave me an excuse to go out in the garage and, and uh, wipe down a couple of my classic cars that we got down here. So, actually, I did. It, it, it was good. It's all good. But I'm not I'm not complaining. It's, it's better than the weather you've been having in Cheyenne, that's for sure, recently. But yes, indeed. by this weekend, it's supposed to be back in the upper 70s. And you can get back out on the golf course. Yeah, get on the golf course. Send some of that 70-degree weather. Well, actually, send some 60 degrees, because if we got 70 degrees, Jim Casey's going to have GMCs floating down Westland. <laughs> I understand. Yeah, I understand. I, I can, I can honestly say, I'm glad I wasn't there for that snowstorm. I, we, I've seen a lot of them over the years, but that looks like that was the daddy of them all. Uh, it was a biggie, but of course, I, as we spoke a little bit earlier, we were chatting. You would have still been the first one in the dealership. Oh yeah, yeah. There's, there's no doubt about that. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't think that's what we're, we're here to talk about today. But yeah, that's. That was part of the challenge. I just figured if I could get there, everybody else could get there, right? That was my philosophy. Oh, yeah. I remember. I remember when I first was working for you, someone said, you will never, ever beat Tim to the dealership, and I never did. <laughs> and then when they call in, they say, well, you know, I can't get in. There's too much snow or whatever. I can't get in. I said, no problem. Well, I'll come out and get you. <laughs> I'll just come out and pick you up. And that single-mindedness is really what has created cars, um, cigars, and guitars. Because when you took me to lunch, um, a little, probably a little over a year ago, and said, "Hey, how about helping with this thing?" We uh, we, we really wondered if we could pull off a car show in a pandemic, but you assured me we could, and you did it. Well, there was never an option. I don't think we just. Uh, it wasn't about me or you or. Quite frankly, it wasn't even about you know the car enthusiasts. It was more about trying to raise that money for those three charities that needed money. And we, yep. I feel really good that we all pulled together and we were able to overcome the obstacles. And it was a very successful event. It was, and there was tremendous help from the entire committee. And of course, the IHAPA chapter here in Cheyenne who uh, worked their, their tails off that day. Mm -hmm. And we're going to be doing it all again on yep. september the 11th of 21 that's that feels like it's a ways away but i i know how these things can get out of hand we're 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 less than six months to get this show on the road yep well as you know we've been meeting since a week after the last event so it's we've been preparing and we rehashed everything that we did last year and we okay what can we do better and what can we do a little different and make it uh, better for the car enthusiasts and 
and for everybody involved. And I think we've come up with some great plans and some some nice modifications. You know, considering it was the first year last year, though, we did we did a heck of a job. We raised we netted thirty nine thousand dollars for three charities, you know, thirteen thousand each for Family Promise and Habitat for Humanity and Safe House. Each got a check for thirteen thousand dollars for off that that car show event. So it was a it definitely was a. Uh, it was a very, very much a success, but it doesn't mean we can't do better this year. And by the way, we don't want to forget to mention that it, this is all presented by our, our local HEPA Cowboy Chapter 211 here in Cheyenne. Absolutely, and uh, they, they're a huge part of this. And, of course, we shouldn't also forget our major underwriter. Um, yes. Without our, our premier, under, yeah, our premier yeah, underwriter. We have, yeah, we've got a number of underwriters, but our premier underwriter, uh, and he signed a two-year agreement, so... Uh, matter of fact, I just talked to Sam this morning, but Charles, Sam Runyon and his staff with it, Charles Schwab here in Cheyenne is our, they're going to be our premier underwriter again this year. So it's, uh, and they were truly a blessing for us and, and they got the checkbook out and they, but in addition to that, they had people there at the event helping out. It was just a, it was just a wonderful event. And again, shows the strength of this community. Uh, how, and uh, we both, well, all the committee, particularly yourself, got on the phones, rattled cages, opened doors, and people opened checkbooks and came to the event, made it the event it was. But absolutely, Sam and uh, his Charles Schwab folks, they, they just did us proud. Yep, yep. And we had a, we had a you know, we had... Over thirty, you know, underwriters and sponsors, and I mean, they all they all stepped up, and uh, they, uh, you know, Sam and his group were the premier underwriters. But we had a lot of other folks there as well at other levels, and, and again, it was it was the combination of all that that, made, that all made it happen. And thanks to our generous sponsors and and underwriters, we uh, they were able to cover all of our overhead expenses. So all the entry fees and all the extra money we took in all went towards our our three charities. Yep. And of course, these stars were the cars. And when we got to the show, what a day. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah, we had a little over 100, I believe, uh, really nice classic cars. And of course, this year, with no COVID going on, we're going to be able to increase that dramatically. But cars came in. We had people registering their cars from all over the front range, Colorado, Nebraska, other parts of Wyoming, of course, including Laramie County. I mean, some of these people trailered them in. They didn't want to drive them that far, and they put them on a nice trailer and brought them in. And, but we had a really nice variety of classic cars, and I think it really proves the theory that you and I have talked about many times. The love affair for the automobile hasn't gone away by any means. It's still it's still strong in this country. It is. And, uh, well, it was such a foundation for what this yeah. country is. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Route 66 or the interstate system. Um, yeah. And as, as we've talked many times from the the, the 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 early days of the 20s and 30s into the heyday, what considered could be considered the heyday of the 50s. And for us more enthusiastic power people, certainly the 60s and early, early 70s. Right, right. Of course, that was my generation in, in the '60s, and I, I can't tell. I can tell you, but I can't share all the stories. <laughs> race, race, racing, street racing. You know, car, these, these high performance uh, cars. But in any case, we uh, it was a great event. We had nice, you know, and it didn't. We had different types of cars. I mean, we had European models. We had Jaguars and 
and uh, some other European models there, but we had a lot of good representation of, uh, of General Motors products and Ford products and Chrysler products. and We just had a little bit of everything, and it was just, and they were spread out nicely, and the cars weren't, you know, crushed together. And, and we've got enough room out there. Uh, we're going to probably be able to add at least another 50 or 75 cars this year. With, oh, without any problem. Yeah, and the, with the idea of growing it to another two or 300 cars over the next couple of years as the, as the event grows. Absolutely. And then, of course, great entertainment supplied uh, by uh, Mr. Bird and the Perfect Strangers, uh, who, uh, who, uh, who uh, heck, it was a th- I think one of my great things was sit- standing in on your deck at one point, looking across all the cars, listening to the band playing and watching people in all different manners dancing between the cars. It was just a great sight. Yeah, yeah it, it was a lot of fun. And the food was tremendous. It was. The boys did a great job. We served tri-tip steaks. In the numbers of people attempting to cross the border. Fox says Steve Harrigan. In the coming days, another big spending package will be pitched by President Biden. On Tuesday, he's expected to unveil a $3 trillion infrastructure plan that Republicans say should prioritize the roads and rails, not climate change and social justice. More severe weather could be in store today in parts of the South. Forecasters say tornadoes are possible. Meantime, in Alabama, where twisters touched down Thursday, a massive cleanup is underway. The storm system that gave life to over two dozen tornadoes that rode through parts of the south was extremely powerful in places like Ohatchee, Alabama, for example, where the National Weather Service says an EF2 tornado hit entire blocks of homes were tossed around and left in pieces. Parts of Georgia also sustaining significant damage. Fox says Charles Watson, the violent weather is blamed on five deaths in Alabama and one in Georgia. No suspects in Philadelphia, where police say two boys on bikes were shot last night. One of them, an 11-year-old, was killed. America's listening to Fox News. presents podcasts women of the bible speak i'm shannon bream host of fox news at night and author of the new book women of the bible speak the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today where i examine the timeless stories of women in the bible join me and some of my friends for this limited podcast series as we discuss what it means to be a woman of faith subscribe now on apple podcasts spotify foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download your podcasts Connect to Fox News Audio on the Fox News app. Listen to hear your favorite hosts like Brian Kilmeade, Jimmy Fallon, and Guy Benson standing up for what's right live and via podcast. Just click listen, then swipe right and hear the latest news updates on your time. And scroll down to hear the latest podcasts from Fox News. And it's even easier to listen in the car with Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. Get programming alerts and notifications. Fox News Audio is on the Fox News app. The Voices America Trusts. Download it now. Lots of moving parts in Virginia Beach, where police were called to two shooting scenes overnight. Two people were killed, eight others hurt. Police responded to a shooting. Eight victims had serious to life-threatening gunshot wounds. Plus, one woman died on scene. Their homicide unit has not released suspect information or motive, but say that several people are in custody. Then, police say, an officer shot and killed a male suspect. Plus, one Virginia Beach police officer was injured and taken to the hospital after being struck by a car. Fox's Lauren Blanchard, the officer, is expected to fully recover. For starters, they want longer bathroom breaks. That's just one of the reasons some Amazon workers in Alabama are trying to form a union. 
This new push coming at an Amazon warehouse outside Birmingham, Alabama, where Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders showed up Friday offering his support. Amazon workers supporting the union, citing relentless quotas and poor working conditions. Amazon fighting the union effort, saying it's created thousands of warehouse jobs in Alabama with an average pay of $15.30 per hour and benefits including health care, vision and dental insurance. Paul Stevens, Fox News. A floating traffic jam continues to build outside the Suez Canal where a giant container ship has been stuck for the past five days. Plans are in the works to pump water from the ship's interior spaces and two more tugboats should arrive by tomorrow. It didn't take long for a sweet deal to turn sour. Earlier this week, Krispy Kreme announced plans to give a free donut to everyone who gets vaccinated against the coronavirus. Then the food police pounced, saying obesity is a risk factor for COVID-19. Krispy Kreme CEO Mike Tattersfield defended the idea on Fox. When people make a choice as America gets a hold of the pandemic and it's a personal choice people make, if there's a treat that they can get and we can serve it, it's great. I'm Pam Puso. This is Fox News.